Well, today we are wrapping up uh, the seven-week series that we have been in throughout the fall. Jesus, in his own words, as we have been walking through the book of John and looking at the seven I am statements that Jesus made as he talked about who he is. And throughout this series, we've been saying over and over again, it's great to know who he is, but we have to know how are we going to respond. The question we've been asking throughout the series is, does the way I live my life reflect the reality of who Jesus is? Because how we respond to Christ is of utmost importance. And that is exceedingly true of the statement that Jesus makes here today, his final I am statement. I'm going to preach really simply today. Just understand that. This is a simple message, but I think this is a message that could change our life. Students, this is a message that could change the trajectory of your life if we get a hold of this word, huh? All right, and so I encourage you to have an open heart to this. It's a message that we have to respond to. If you got your Bibles, would you turn with me to John chapter 15? John chapter 15, beginning in verse number one. And if you would, this is our tradition around here. Would you stand with me as we're gonna read our passage this morning? And before we read this passage, I just want you to stop for a second and think. So how, many, how many knows we, we do things out of routine sometimes? How many know that? Okay, this is our routine. This is our tradition around here. Do you realize we're about to hear the words of Jesus, they're in red. The literal words of the God of all creation wants to speak to your heart this morning. So let's receive these words like that. The God of the universe, the one who formed the entire universe wants to speak and invite you in here today, all right? Beginning in verse number one, Jesus says this, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse number five, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Father, I thank you that you speak you are not a God that is distant and says, figure it out on your own. You have spoken to us through your word to lead us to a place of fullness and abundance. God, we turn to a lot of other places to try and get filled up. I pray today as we hear your word again, this simple message, we would be reminded, and God, that it would affect the way that we live. God, it would lead us to a place of Zoe life that is found only in Christ. Fill us today, we pray, in a fresh and a new way, we pray. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You can be seated. How many of you are into plants and gardening, things like that? Any of you into that kind of stuff? Some of you are, okay. <laughs> okay, uh, I knew somebody in my previous church, he was like crazy into gardening. He had these gorgeous gardens. It was, it was ridiculous. I'm not into gardening. Anybody else like that? Like, I don't know. They're called plants and trees. I don't know anything beyond that, right? The fancy names, all those kind of things we don't get. Uh, but there is, uh, there is one person in our home that is known for their gardening skills, and it's not because they're good. Um, 
My wife is highly gifted in so many different ways, but she also has the spiritual gift of killing plants. <laughs> she does. It's, it's a spiritual gift. You give her a plant, it will be dead in six to eight weeks. I guarantee it, okay? Uh, it's just a reality in our home. We laugh about it all. We joke about it all the time. But she has a very good friend of hers, Erica, who has the spiritual gift of raising them back to life, okay? And what happens on a regular basis is we get plants given to us, and then you go to Erica's house, and her house is filled with all the plants that used to be dead that she has brought back to life all over her house. We were there the other day. So this, this is a plant. Five years ago, somebody gave us this plant as a gift. I don't even know who gave this plant. But it, as, as is usual, within six to eight weeks, this plant was just about completely dead. It was all drooped, dry, dead, dying, all that kind of stuff. And Erica's like, I can bring it back to life. I'm like, sure you can. Okay, she takes it back to her house, and this is the plant five years ago. Look how... Look how gorgeous this plant looks. Clearly, she's the, she's the plant whisperer. She knows how to make these things come back to life. But when I think about what the plant looked like before, <laughs> the dry, stale, dying plant, <laughs> I think about so often in our lives, if we're honest, isn't that how we feel? A lot of times in life, we're going through the busyness of life. You're, you're rushing. You're going from thing to thing, walking from thing to thing. You're f so burdened by the stuff you've got going on in your personal life that you've got going on at work, the things that you've got going on in the world, the crazy things happen that, that we can just feel a little dry at times. We walk around a land in a, in a world that is so dry. But in the same way, a lot of us, at times, we can feel the same way spiritually, Right? There are times where we're like, hey, we're, we're doing some of the things, but we just feel a little dry, feel a little stale. And it's into this reality that I think every one of us will feel. Right now, man, teenagers, you just came off convention like you do not feel stale. You feel alive. You feel vibrant. But I guarantee you there'll be moments of dryness. And it's into that that Jesus speaks this very, very simple message and gives us this simple picture. I don't have time to break into this entire passage this morning. I don't intend to do that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the most simple understanding of this text that we can have because I think that simplicity can be profound impact for us. In verse number five, Jesus makes this very simple statement. I'm the vine, you're the branches. I'm the vine, you're the branches. You know, the, when he's talking about a vine a lot, most often he's thinking of a vineyard. We're thinking about grapes and things like that, but he's also uh, most likely walking toward the Garden of Gethsemane, which is filled with olive trees. And so it could be that, it could be olive trees, whatever it is. For you, you probably don't see a lot of vineyards, you don't see a lot of olive trees, but you know what a tree looks like. Let's use that as the basis here this morning. Jesus says this, I am the vine. I'm the vine. I'm like the, the root. I'm the, the, the branch, the the. Uh, stem and the, the center of everything. Like, I'm the source of everything. Whatever you need, find it in me. Like, that's who I am for you. Whatever you need, I'm your source. Don't look other places. You don't have to go anywhere else. I I'm it. I'm your source. I'm the vine. Look to me. And you're the branch. <laughs> what is the job of a branch? To stay in the vine. Your job isn't to do anything else but to stay in the vine. Because here's what happens. The moment you're disconnected from the vine, what happens? You die. You fall off, you break, you die, you crumble. You're done. You have one job. Your job isn't to produce fruit. 
Your job is to stay in the vine. Because when you stay in the vine, what happens? You produce fruit. That's what happens. When you are tied to the vine, when your source is Christ, you produce fruit. When you are disconnected from the vine, you die. Now, a lot of us, I said, most of you were not like plant people, okay? So I got another picture for you. We all got one of these. (laughs) What happens when you run out of power on your cell phone? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? You ever seen somebody who needs power, like their phone's about to die? What are they doing? They are running around. Yeah, I need power. I need to plug in somewhere, right? Because once you're out of power, what happens? This thing's dead. Does nothing. Similar to Wi-Fi. You ever seen somebody who needs Wi-Fi? Like, I got nothing. I got no signal. I got no signal. Why? Because if this doesn't have signal, if you ain't got Wi-Fi, it's worthless to you. Jesus is saying, listen, you stay connected to me, and you'll have everything that you need. I will be your source in all things. What does that actually look like? What does that mean? Because it's very, it's a, I think it's a really simple edu- uh, picture. The, in, the God of the universe, God of all creation, all authority, all power, all wonder, he wants to be your source. What is that? If you're taking notes here this morning, I want you to write five things down, okay? There are five things that I think God wants to be a source. There's many other things, but these five things are th- I think are so fundamental. Number one, Jesus wants to be the source of your identity. Source of your identity, who you are. A lot of us, we spend our time trying to find our identity in other things, what we do, where we go, all those kind of things, the crowd that we're a part of, what we accomplish, we're trying to find in those in Christ saying, no, no, I want, I want to be the source of your identity. I want to be the one who calls you who you are, that, that you receive this identity rather than trying to strive after it in some way. Second thing, he wants to be the source of your purpose. Everybody wants purpose in life. You want a purpose in life, don't you? I want to have a reason. Okay, but so often we're trying to find purpose in life and all the other stuff, and he's saying, I want to be the source of your purpose. Number three, he wants to be the source of your power. We like to lean on ourselves, don't we? We like to rely on ourselves. There will be a moment in your life, guarantee it, there will be a moment in your life when you realize, you come to the realization that you are not enough on your own. And you desperately need the power of God at work in you. And he says, I want to be that. Fourth thing, he wants to be the source of your fruitfulness. Right? In fact, he says he is the source of your fruitfulness. And I want to say this because when we talk about fruitfulness in life, a lot of times we can start getting a very world and American view of what fruitfulness looks like. Like fruitfulness in my life means I got, I got the money, I got the job, I got the career, I've got the successes, I've got the accolades, I've got the house, I've got all the stuff, whatever, right? That's what fruitfulness is in our world. Success in some way, I've got influence some way. But, but in scripture, you know what fruitfulness is? It says it in Galatians chapter five. It is not about so much what we do as about who we are becoming. God's desire in your life is more that you become something than you just simply do something, okay? As it says, his desire is that you would be conformed to the image of his son, that you would look more like Jesus. That's what his desire is for you, okay? And so his desire for your, a fruitful life is not like I did all these things. It's that what's coming out of you? Is it the fruit of the spirit? Is it love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? That's what he wants to see coming out of you. That's what he wants to give you. And as you remain in him, 
connected to him, that is what comes out of our lives. The fifth thing he wants to be the source of is the source of our destiny. We live in a world where there's a lot of fear. People get scared a lot. There's a lot of anxiety. There's fear of the now. There's fear of the future. What's going to happen in our world? Where am I going to be? There's so many people. One of the biggest fears is fear of death. You know what Christ wants to do? He wants to give you a destiny. He wants to be the source of your destiny that no matter what you face, I know who my God is. I know what my future is. I know whatever happens here, I don't have to fear. I don't have to be afraid because I'm, I'm planted firmly in Christ. That's what he wants to be. All right, so he wants to be those things, but what does that actually look like in our life? I want to get uh, really practical with you, and so I'm going to use myself as an example, okay? I'm going to tell you what it looks like in my life when I'm not planted, when I'm not remaining, and what it looks like when I do, okay? So I'm, I'm the pastor here, me and my wife Amber, we're the pastors here, okay? So as a pastor here at Zoe Church, um, there's a lot of people a part of this church, Okay? And so, you know, this on a weekend, we might have eight, 900 people that are part of our service in person here. Beyond that, we might have two to 300 people that are worshiping with us online any given Sunday. All right, so that means there's about 2,000 people that, that regularly attend Zoe Church. Beyond that, we have over 3,000 people that call Zoe their home church. They might not show up all that often, but they call Zoe their home church. All right, now just imagine this for a second. We're, Amber and I are connected to over 3,000 people. At any given moment, there are multiple people going through significant crisis. Just numerically, the odds. In fact, a few weeks ago, there was a whole bunch of people going through stuff, and Amber and I, we were feeling a little bit of the heaviness, and Amber's like, why is it there's always, there's always heavy stuff going on? I'm like, babe, we are connected to a lot of people. There's always going to be somebody who goes through something heavy. You know, like, that's just life. That's how this works, right? Like, we feel it. But here's what happens is Pastor Greg. I'm Pastor Greg, okay? When Pastor Greg is not remaining in the vine, here's how this looks. I find my identity is trying to be Pastor Greg. That's my point. I'm Pastor Greg. So when people come to me with their stuff, I, I just, just suck it up, Greg. Here we go. Be Pastor Greg. Bear this thing. You can do this. You can do this, Greg. All right, great. When I'm not remaining in the vine, my purpose is I've got to solve the problems, right? All these people are bringing the things to me, so I've got to be the one to figure this out and help everybody and fix every marriage and fix every problem, and I'm going to be the one to solve every issue. And guess what? When I'm not connected to the vine, I have to be the power. Like, I got to be good enough. I got to be strong enough. I have to be the source to overcome everything. And when I'm, when I'm weak and I'm tired, no, no, Greg, just suck it up. You can do this. Work harder. Be stronger. And if I'm, if I'm the, not connecting to the vine, my fruitfulness, rather than the fruit of the Spirit coming out of me, guess what comes out of me? Not that, Amber says. <laughs> it's me, my flesh. My frustration, my feeling overwhelmed, my whatever comes out of me in those moments. And I might still have my destiny in Christ. Yep, one day I have a hope in Christ. But if I'm not remaining in the vine, it's suffocating to me. And you might not be Pastor Greg, but I guarantee you've experienced the same thing in your life. You look to yourself to be the source, to be filled up, and you just find yourself a little dry. But the invitation that Christ says is, listen, I'm the vine. I'm the source. You don't have to be the source, Greg. I'm the source. Remain in me. If you remain in me, 
Like, I'll actually fill you. I'll give you everything you need. So when I remain in Christ, guess what? My identity is not Pastor Greg. You know who I am? I'm a child of the King of Kings. That's who I am. I'm a son of God. It does not matter what I do. I do not change that. I am chosen. I'm a royal priesthood. That's who I am. And I can find hope in that, joy in that, confidence in that because of my identity that's sealed in Christ. It is mine in Christ. Nothing else changes that. My purpose then is no longer trying to do anything. My job is to be faithful with what Christ puts in my hand for his glory. That's it. I'm not here to solve every problem. I am here to serve faithfully whatever God puts in my hand. God, I'm going to faithfully serve. I'm going to serve here at this church. I'm going to serve people. I'm going to serve my family all for your glory, not for my own glory. And there's freedom in there. There's life in there because it's no longer all about me because anything that's about you dies. Okay? And when I'm, when I'm connected to the divine, guess what? It isn't my power anymore. I'm dependent on the Spirit of God alive and at work within me, trusting in His power as the source, not me as the source. And when I'm connected to the vine, guess what? Fruit naturally comes out of those connected to the vine. When I stay faithful to Him, it isn't other stuff coming out of me. Now this is where the life can flow as Christ's words begin to transform me in His Spirit, in His love, joy, peace. We want that in our lives, don't you? You want that in your life. It's when we remain in the vine. And then destiny no longer is just some distant, no, 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 no. My destiny is even today. I get to walk in the Zoe life Christ has provided for me. But apart from me, you can do nothing. See, this is what it means to experience Zoe life. This is what it means to remain in the vine. It's all really, really good stuff. But what does it look like to remain in the vine? It's what I want to kind of spend the rest of our time looking at. What does this look like? How many of you know someone who is lazy? Raise your hand if you know somebody lazy. Don't point at them if they're sitting around you. Okay? We all know somebody who's lazy, right? They're just, they don't do anything. They're just lazy. Um, when you hear this phrase, remain in me, it can sound like a really passive thing. Like, okay, right. I just got to abide. just got to remain here. Like, just sit here. Like, what, what does that actually look like? I just, I just want to say that it couldn't be any further from the truth. This is not a passive thing. Remaining in Christ is highly active. It's highly intentional. It's something we have to engage in on a regular basis. This is why Christ, he's calling us. This is your job. It's not like, like, like oh, this is the natural thing. No, he's saying this is your task is to remain in me. This is your focus. This is the thing you need to think about. This is the thing you need to pour your heart into is to remain in me. So I'm gonna give you another list here. We'll give you seven things. So if you're taking notes, write these seven things down, all right? Uh, but the, the first one is found in verse number 10. Look what it says in verse number 10. It says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. So what's the first task to remain in Christ. It's simply to keep God's commands. Keep Christ's commands. Keep his words. A lot of times we're like, well, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know God's will for my life. You know a lot of God's will already. You do. He's already spoken it to you. Do those things. Do what you know. And some of you are like, well, I don't know as much as other people. I don't care if you know as much as other people. Do what you do know. Whatever you do know. Right? Young people, you're like, I don't know enough Bible. You know a few things. Do those to stay close to Christ. Do those intentionally 
to stay faithful to Christ. God, I am doing this to stay close. I want to keep your commands, all right? But there's a few other things that we can do. Number one, keep God's commands. Number two is this, the word. Get into the word. Get into the word, not just on Sunday morning for 30 minutes, all right? How many of you would say, but Greg, I don't understand the word. I get that all the time. Greg, I read the Bible, but I don't even understand it. Guess what? I don't understand Amber all the time. But I invest time in her because I want to know her more. I want to understand her. And don't worry, she doesn't understand me either. Like this is what relationships are. Guess what? When you get in the Word, there's going to be times where you don't know, but you trust, you trust that the Word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And that by spending time in the Word, that God, by His Spirit, will bring things to light. He will reveal things. He will bring revelation of who He is, and He will bring revelation of who you are in Him. Like, that's what it is. We've got to get in the Word. So I don't care. Making space to be in the Word. What's another way that we remain in Christ? Number three is prayer. Prayer. Some of you are intimidated by prayer. Most of us at some point in time have fallen asleep while praying, right? (laughs) Prayer is not always an easy thing. But I think we make it far more complex than it needs to be. Okay? We make prayer like, oh, I got to say the right thing. Heavenly God of Almighty, whatever. like, Like, it doesn't have to be the fancy stuff. Prayer is communion with God. It's communication with God. Okay? And there's two ways that I think prayer can impact our lives. Number one is set aside times of prayer. Just like in a relationship, just like for Amber and I, we need set aside times where we communicate, right? We spend time together intentionally, having communication, talking about things. We need that with our God in heaven. Like if we're gonna stay connected to Christ, then we need to have those times set aside. Jesus modeled it, what he would get away from the crowd and he would spend time with the Father. Do you have time intentionally set aside to be connected to Christ? Okay, but there's a second type of prayer that I think many of us forget about altogether. And that's just the moment by moment prayers. Okay, for, I don't know what your relationships are like, but for Amber and I, we're talking most of the time throughout the day. There's, whether there's a text going on, there might be a call, whatever. There's communication going on throughout the day. It's not just set aside times, it's throughout the day. The, the normal, everyday moments of life. And I believe that's what prayer should look like in our lives. As we are connected to Christ throughout the day, you know, what does that look like for me? For me, it's like, you know, maybe I'm in the car and I'm praising worship. That's a version of prayer, okay? As we begin to, this morning, when you begin to pray and declare the, uh, praise God and, and declare who he is, how many know that builds faith in your heart? Like that's good for your spirit to begin to do in that, okay? But it's beyond just the praise. There's times where I'm walking into a conversation. I gotta talk to somebody. It's not a 75-minute prayer before this thing. I'm walking down the hall. God, would you give me wisdom in this conversation I'm about to have? right? It's those breath prayers, those moment-by-moment prayers as we allow this communion, this connection to God. I want to stay in you. I want to remain in you. I want to stay connected to you because you're my source in everything that I do. How do we build that into our lives, okay? Fourth thing that we look at is repentance. Repentance. Why is repentance important if we're going to remain in the vine? Repentance is what keeps us from running away from the vine. Because there are going to be moments where you start going the wrong direction. Maybe you make a wrong choice, you get involved in something, whatever that is. If repentance is not quick in your heart, then you're going to keep heading that direction. 
But what repentance, when you have a repentant heart, saying, God, I want to be quick to repent. You don't have to fight me on this one. I, I want to be quick to repent. Then when that moment comes, when the conviction comes, you say, oh, hands up. God, I turn away from that thing, and I want to turn back to you. I want to get back in the vine, Lord. I do not want to be running away from you, okay? Repentance is so, so critical. It isn't, repentance isn't just for the bad people. Like, if you want to be a follower of Christ, repentance should be a daily activity, a constant turning back to the vine over and over and over again, okay? Next one, relationships. Oh, sorry, honesty, one more. Here, honesty. Honesty, why does this matter? You cannot have intimacy with someone you are not honest with. That's true of human relationships. That's true with God. If you want to stay close to Christ, but you're living in this false, you know, fake, pharisaical-type life, it doesn't work. Christ came up against the Pharisees all the time. Why? Because their exterior kind of played the game, but their interior was so far from him. No, we bring our honest self before God. The message that Micah preached two weeks ago was so important. We have to bring our whole self to Christ. That's how we remain in him. Next one, relationships that point to Jesus. I want you to ask yourself this. Ask yourself, think of your very best relationships in life, maybe your two or three closest relationships in life right now. Are they, not just are they Christians, are they pointing you and propelling you in your faith toward Christ? Just be honest. Because if they aren't, we're missing out. Because we desperately need other people. Here's what happens. If you're just one lonely branch plugged into the vine and you snap off, is there anybody there to talk to you? To help encourage you? But hey, when you're with a bunch of other branches <laughs> and you fall out, hey, the branch, no, whoop, 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 no. <laughs> Let's get back where we need to be, right? Let's get focused on what matters. And if you don't have those in your life, that's why we give opportunities such as small groups. That's why we do things like fall sessions. That's why youth, you don't just show up for a big gathering. You break into small groups to connect with other believers because we need relationships in our life that are propelling us toward Christ, that are calling us toward Christ because we cannot do this faith thing on our own. We are meant to be in the context of a community with other believers. And so who are those people in your life? If you say, I don't have anybody, then we need to find a step to dig in, to build what you're gonna have to get uncomfortable. You're gonna have to put yourself out there a little bit and, and pursue relationships that propel you toward Christ. The last thing is corporate worship. Corporate worship. I've been talking about this a little bit lately because I, I have a, a renewed vigor toward the importance of corporate worship. Because there, there are be many believers out there that are starting to get to a place where like, I don't, need, I don't need the body. I can just listen to a podcast and listen to a sermon and I'm good to go. There is something that God has designed in us to gather together as a body to worship. Like there, I, there just is. Scripture talks about it. But there is something that God has designed this, this to be a corporate experience, not just on your own. All right? And so I challenge you. Why do I challenge people to come every single Sunday? I don't do that because I want to boost attendance numbers. I do that because if you attend every Sunday, if you join into a corporate gathering, whether it's Sunday morning, whether it's Wednesday night, you're going to have a chance to encourage one another, to inspire one another, to get our eyes focused on the Christ. If we've, been, if we've been kind of meandering away from the vine, it's a chance to get ourselves plugged back into the vine, to be reminded of what matters. 
And if you come every week, you'll never go more than seven days without being challenged in that, being confronted with that and say, God, I want to dig back in again. I've gotten off a little bit, okay? But here's what happens. You miss one Sunday, it's 14 days. Two Sundays, 21 days. Three Sundays, 28 days between times. And if you don't have a vibrant personal spiritual walk and you don't have other believers in daily connection with you, you are in serious trouble in your, in your walk. Like we desperately need the body. And so corporate worship matters. And so what are you doing in, in your personal life? What are you doing in your home? Is worship coming together on a Sunday morning, is that like as long as nothing else is happening, I'll be there on Sunday? Or when is the last time you skipped something else because you prioritize Sunday? Just ask the question. I know I'm meddling a little bit. But just ask the question. This matters. Every step we take to remain in Christ makes a difference. And Jesus said, you got one thing to do. Just remain in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So I want to get to our big so what. We always end with a big so what. And a big so what this morning is um, actually kind of a big so what for the whole series. And uh, I think you'll understand why in a moment. The big so what this morning is this. The goal of faith is nearness to Christ. The goal of faith is nearness to Christ, to follow him, to remain in him, to abide with him. Think about all the statements we've said throughout this series. What do you say? He's the bread of life, daily bread that we would come to him over and over and over and over again. He said he is the light that we are to follow, to stay near like that lamp unto our feet that we would stay near and follow him. He said he is the good shepherd, right? The good shepherd, that we would just be near to the good shepherd, that we would stay close and follow him wherever he goes. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that we would just follow in his ways. Wherever he leads, we would go there. And today he says, I'm the vine. I'll be your source in everything. Will you just stay near? Abide in the vine. The goal of faith is nearness. Christ. But here's the deal. We can all agree with this. We can all agree with this. Yep, that sounds good. Christ can be my source. That's really awesome. All that stuff can be good, and we can believe it in our minds, but what are we going to do about it? And I'm going to close, actually, with a quote today from somebody who isn't even a believer. Have you ever read the book Atomic Habits? Have you read the book Atomic Habits? If you've never read the book, Atomic Habits, I highly recommend it. He's not a believer. The principles in the book are literally life-changing, though, okay? And uh, there's a quote that he speaks regularly, and I just love this quote. The first half of the quote is this. You do not rise to the level of your goals. You do not rise to the level of your goals. Just, just setting a goal like, I want to be physically fit, or I want to accomplish this, or I want to make this much money, or I want to do this. You don't rise to the level of your goals. It's great to have goals. He says this, you fall to the level of your systems. And I would personalize that. In an organization, this is true. As, a, as an organization, you can set all these goals, right? But your systems in the organization are what actually help you achieve those goals. If your systems are down here, that's where you're going to be. But what are the systems in your personal life? Your habits. The things you do on a regular basis. And so I want to rephrase this as, you do not rise to the level of your goals. Say, God, I want to stay near to you. I want to be near to you. I want to walk with you. I want to know you. 
I want to have you be my source. You do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your habits. Do the habits of your life cause you to remain in Christ? Do the things that you do regularly cause you to stay near to Christ? To have your heart close to Him? To run after Him? Or are all of your habits actually leading you away from Christ? Because we can have lots of right, great ideas. Jesus is awesome. When you hear the gospel, it's inspiring. When you hear who Christ is, it's inviting. But we have to respond not just once, but daily. What is, the, what is our response to Christ? Are we walking toward Him? See, too often the busyness of our lives pushes out the author of life. It's busy, 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 busy. And the God of the universe is saying, I'm here for you. You're not even giving me an opportunity. And all that's left is dry branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So the question I wanted to ask is, where are you at? Where are you at today? Where are you at personally? Where are you at spiritually? If I was to say, hey, are you remaining in the vine right now? Do you, do you have habits set in your life right now to make sure that you are remaining in the vine, that you are pursuing him, that you are staying close to him? Not that you're doing it perfectly, but he is your source. Would you say, yep, confidently? Or would you say, you know what? I might be going to some fake vines, some false vines to look for my source. That might explain why I'm where I am today. The invitation is to something greater, something better. I want to make space for that here today. I invite you to bow your heads, close your eyes across the room. Father, I thank you so much for your invitation to remain in the vine. But we make spirituality so complex sometimes. We just think there's all these things we got to know when in reality, the goal is just to stay close to our Savior, to stay in the vine, to stay close to our shepherd, to, to follow the light, just to be near you, Lord. God, we acknowledge that so often we don't do that. Pray even in my own life, God, there's so many times where I'm dry of my own doing. And I pray that you help my heart to stay near to you, God. Make me increasingly dissatisfied with the dryness in my life, God, that I would continue to pursue you at a deeper level. I need you, Lord. With every head bow and every eye closed across the room, nobody's gonna look around at all. This is just between you and God. I'm not even gonna look around right now. If you're here right now and you're just saying, you know what, I'm feeling a little dry and I, I don't know that I've been really, really remaining in Christ and I just wanna, I wanna take a deeper step toward him. If that's you, right now, just lift a hand across the room just for you and Jesus to see right now. Say, God, I need, I, need to, I need to dig in a little bit more. I wanna be closer to you, Jesus. I need you, God. I need you, God. Thank you, Lord. We need you, God. We need you, God.